Welcome to the Humans of Triathlon podcast. Hello, Humans of Triathlon, and welcome back for another episode of the Humans of Triathlon podcast, where we aim to introduce you to ordinary people with extraordinary passion in the world of triathlon from all around the globe and share with you insights into their amazing journeys, stories, experiences, and mindsets, and hopefully inspire you to become better versions of yourselves as athletes, as parents, as partners, as children, as human beings. I'm Swapnil Chauhan, joined here by my co-hosts. Charles Hunk and Robin Mayall, and this is episode number two. Today's Humans of Triathlon hot podcast guest epitomizes the phrase personal transformation. We're super excited to have him on. In uh, 2010, at the age of only 24, he weighed over 120 kilograms and was diagnosed with high blood pressure and high cholesterol, but that did not stop him at all from entering his first Olympic distance triathlon and completing it, although it took him just over four hours. For him, triathlon has been truly transformative, taking him from this worrisome state of health to a fitness level he could only imagine before. And in the process, due to his hard work and determination, he lost over 50 kilos and in 2016 represented Australia in the Ironman 70.3 World Championship. These days, he has recently completed a law degree and is passing on his knowledge and love of the sport of triathlon as a coach. Please welcome the man who says there is no secret, only hard work, healthy lifestyle choices, and commitment, Tim Ford, to the Hot Podcast. Hi, Tim. How's it going? Good, thanks. How are you? I am great. great. It's a real pleasure to have you on here. Um, like Robin just mentioned, you've had this amazing journey and transformation. And personally, I find weight loss journeys of people very fascinating. Because I've never really been heavy my entire life or had to deal with weight loss. I'm actually pretty much the opposite in the sense that I, I struggle to put on weight. So I mean I I feel but I feel that like the mindset you need to develop in order to lose weight that can be translated into m- many areas of life. So yeah, I have a ton of questions to dig your brain about. Um but yeah, to start off, um how about you just you know, tell us a little bit about your childhood and what that was like and what led you to becoming overweight. Yeah, no worries. Look, firstly, that was a pretty impressive introduction, so thank you. No, no pressure on me at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I was a pretty sporty guy growing up. I, you know, I think growing up in Australia, sport's such a big part of our life. So uh, I played soccer, I played cricket, I did rugby, I did a bit of swimming, nothing too serious. I did. Again, the school used to do running carnivals, all this sort of thing. So I was always pretty active. And then as I started to get a bit older, uh, towards the end of my high school, obviously, I started to drink uh, with my friends. And I think that definitely started to, I guess, derail me a little bit. Uh, and then I went to university. And at university, my drinking increased a lot. And I was working in a bar, obviously, a lot of alcohol. Hours weren't good. Uh, and then the food sort of was just became more of a convenience thing rather than, you know, you know I wasn't living at home anymore. My mum wasn't you know, sort of taking care of me. And, yeah, my weight just started to go up. And uh, But, yeah, look, as a, as a kid, I was, I was quite active. It was, yeah. uh, you know, everyone was quite shocked, actually. When I look back at young photos of myself, me and my brother, 
I, w- I was very skinny and then yeah I just got bigger and bigger and bigger and I think it's mostly just through just sort of life lifestyle things like I said you know when you're a you know, 18 19 year old kid the last thing you're really thinking about is what's the calorie content of this or you know how many macronutrients do I need to satisfy this and uh, yeah just the, it certainly uh, got out of hand very quickly so from so you basically got into triathlon through a friend right yeah so I was when I was working in Sydney, I'd finished uni. Me and my wife, or now wife, had moved down um, down to Sydney, and I was working in a hotel. And a guy started working. I remember he said, uh, "You know, he was, I knew he was a runner. He was very, you know, very skinny, looking like a little runny runner runt." And he was he was talking about doing. He was doing this this half Ironman. I was like, "Oh, what's that?" And he goes, "Oh, you know, you you, you swim one point nine kilometers. You you ride a bike for ninety kilometers, and you run run a half marathon." And I literally laughed at him. And I was like, well, "Why?" Why would anybody want to do those three things, let alone do those three things in one day? And you know, he went away and did it. And then he said, you know, mate, I know your birthday's coming up. Would you uh, be interested in doing a triathlon with me? And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, why not? Like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Cool thing to say that I've done a triathlon. And so he signed me up. And I think that was in January. And the, the race was in May. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he signed me up and started to get ready for it. Started to what I thought was train for a triathlon, which basically involved – Swimming about a kilometer and riding the, the exercise bike for about 40 kilometers and you know, yeah. two hours or whatever, and then just not running because running sucked. But uh, I also, in that process, convinced myself that you know, I'm, I'm an athlete now, I need to probably eat like an athlete, I need to carbo load, I need to you know, do all those sort of things, and we increase my calorie consumption a little bit more than I should have. I think I actually, yeah, managed to put on a fair chunk of weight. I think the heaviest I ever was was probably. You know the days leading up to the triathlon, ironically. So, yeah, it's kind of unusual. Yeah, it was. I think it's. And again, looking back, it's just have no idea. You'd like, you know, the, the approach to to, to try. like. I look back how I trained for that race. I'm like, no wonder it bloody took me over four hours. I was like, it was laughable what I was doing, but I convinced myself. Oh man, I'm training hard. I'm and uh, a lot of my friends are like, are you sure this is a good idea? And yeah, and as you said in the introduction, in the lead up to the event, uh, I I got really sick. I had a really what I thought was just a really bad cold and. I went to the doctors and they sent me for x-rays and I had pneumonia. I'd actually got pneumonia about about a month and a half out from the race and then in the process of the pneumonia, the x-rays showed that my heart was enlarged, uh, which scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, so I definitely, you know, I think the, the, that first race and then obviously knowing that my health was, you know, I was only 24 and I had some pretty serious health things already starting. I thought that, yeah. I think that's definitely what sort of, kick-started everything and the change and that's what i find most interesting like if in any kind of transformation journey you know the tipping point like where the person just says enough is enough you know that kind of moment so that was basically your first triathlon for you uh, it, it was i think i walked away from the triathlon I, I i pretty much decided i probably didn't want to do another triathlon it was like i said it was very hard it was it's very humiliating being there when they'll you know they'll packing up the clock i finished hours after the other people and uh-huh. It like that wasn't a pleasant experience. It, I was very happy to finish the race and was very excited. But yeah. being out there when everyone's packing up, it was it was pretty embarrassing. So I walked away going, I really like the bike ride. Maybe I'm going to do a bit more bike riding. And then look, so I didn't do another triathlon for like eighteen months after. Oh. And so that, I used I used that time where I I I started training because I said I wanted to get better at this sort of thing. And I did sort of decide about six months after that that first one, I want to have another go and I want to do better. So. That's mm. when the train 
you know, I went and got myself a, a carbon fiber bike pretty much straight after that first race. And, and uh, yeah, through, through, I mean, there was other, other little, I always say, you know, you, you, as you touch on that, you've hidden, hidden rock bottom almost. And yep. I've had a few of those sort of moments that happened probably after that race. Okay. Uh, and, and then, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the next race I did, I was about 30 kilos lighter and I went two hours, 45. So mm-hmm. it was a bit of an improvement on the four hours and five minutes. That is a huge difference in, uh, in just one race to, to drop like over an hour. It's kind of, kind of unheard of. Oh, it's, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a big difference. And I, <laughs> that wasn't as hard as I remember. Like that wasn't too bad actually. So <laughs> Well, most people PR by minutes and, uh, you know, not hours. That's pretty awesome. I, I would definitely take a one-hour PV at 70.3. Uh, <laughs> that's going to happen. <laughs> right. Well, now your 70.3 time is closing in on your first uh, Olympic Exactly time. right. Yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, about, about I don't know, two or three years ago, I decided I wanted to try and aim for, uh, to do that 405 for 70.3. Uh, to sort of say, yeah, how cool is this? I did the, you know, double the distance in the same amount of time. I'm sitting at 4.17 at the moment, so 12, 12 minutes I need to, to knock off. Uh, get in there. Slowly, you know, it's, it's a, they, they, there's a reason the saying is it's a marathon, not a sprint, and I think that applies to triathlon. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still working towards it. Yep. So I just want to stay on that first triathlon for a little bit longer. So what, what, yep. what exactly was it after that? So was it more like you were so embarrassed that you just wanted to change, or was it more like, you were just proud of completing it and you saw that you could actually do this thing and change yourself. Was it that achieving that or was it more about the embarrassment? I think, look, I'd always, I knew I, I, knew I was big. I, I, I had tried many things before that to try to get smaller. Okay. And I think I, I sort of found, I've really enjoyed the bike because again, you know, when you're a big guy, running hurts, swimming's boring and I don't think many triathletes ever really like swimming, but I found the bike quite good and I, you know, I rode a lot when I was a kid and I, I was I was wondering why why did I go away from bike riding like you know up until I was about 14 15 I rode my bike everywhere and I think I t- to me it was almost like I found what I thought was a sustainable way of maybe getting more active because again I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd tried everything and I was very proud of like I said I was very proud and I used to you know I'd go around now oh, I'm a bloody triathlete how cool is this and uh <laughs> I realized though that I didn't look like a triathlete because I'd say to people, yeah, I've done a triathlon. And they're like, really? Are you? Are you? Oh, and, I, and I thought I don't like, I don't like, that. I don't like that judgment though that I used to get a lot. Of, and again, being big, you, you get a bit used to people sort of judging you. They might not necessarily say things to you, but you can see them the way they look at you or those yeah. sort of questions. Like, hey, this is a, like those sort of things used to, they hurt my feelings a lot of the time. It was, it was, you know, it was pretty upsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be constantly, you know, people not believing you or questioning you, and I think it was sort of a combination of those things. Of yeah, look, I found something that I, I actually think is 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 something I can do to lose weight, yeah. uh, and then as well as yeah, that that I wanted to. I, I was proud that I was a triathlete, but then people almost didn't believe me, and I think it was those sort of things combined that made me go, yeah, it's time to time to use this or use this motivation that I'm feeling to to move forward. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's common too. A lot of us, uh, we we stop biking after we leave school. Yeah. Like college is often the last time that that a lot of people ride a bike for years and years. Mm-hmm. So when you when you say you channel that and that negative those negative comments from people into motivation, yep. like 
So, you know, I think there are basically two things that stop someone from doing what they want or what they know that they should do. Either they genuinely believe that they can do it or what's more common and, um, you know, something you and I have dealt with in the past is the opinions of others. You know, I think people aren't able to have that honest conversation with themselves um, about what they want because they're crippled by other people's opinions and fear judgment. And I had this post from you yesterday itself, I think, um, and you said something like, um, it can be scary or intimidating to admit where you want to go and taking those steps to get there. So yeah. what, how, how did you deal with that? And how does one, you know, how does one have that conversation with themselves that, you know, like just to be honest with themselves? Uh, it, it's a, I think it's a conversation that I have with myself fairly often, to be honest. And it's, it's, it's definitely happened throughout the entire process for me. I mean, uh, I guess to, to go right back to the start, when I talk about those those low points, uh, yeah. one of the low points for me was uh, we, were, we were moving overseas and I had all these clothes and we were sort of working out what are the things I needed to take. And I'd always hung on to my skinnier, like the, the clothes I used to fit into or the clothes that I wanted to fit into. Mm-hmm. And um, then one day I, I, I said, look, we're moving. I need to get, and I just went, you know what, I'm never going to get into those clothes. Like it's impossible. I've tried everything. I've even done, I'm riding a bike and nothing's working. And I think that was a very honest conversation where I, I threw out a lot of those clothes. And, and it, I mean, that is, to me, I remember how upset it was. It was like that, that moment of giving up. And that was a very honest conversation I have with myself where it was like, yeah, look, you know what, you've, you've, cause I'm, look, I'm a very positive person. I think I always have been. And that was a very like, no, this isn't, you know, accept, accept who you are, accept, you know, you are a big guy now. This is, this is the end. And so that's probably the first one. And then, from that, when I started to, you know, get active and, 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 and notice that I was starting to lose weight because it, it did sort of happen, it almost snuck up on me. Like I knew I was training and everything and I could see the number on the scale was starting to go down. But it was when it, I think it was actually when all those clothes arrived, when I was, when I arrived overseas and I, I've made a huge mistake, all those clothes I threw out were actually the clothes that I need right now because all the clothes <laughs> I actually packed are, are too big for me. But from that point when I went, okay, this is working. And it was that almost honest conversation of okay, let's let let's not just accept, let's not just accept this is our standard anymore. Let's let's go let's go big. So that was that was when you know I started to do a few more triathlons, and then I went okay, like when I did my first half Ironman, I was aiming for six hours. Like I thought, you know what, six hours I'll be happy. I just want to tick this off the list, do it. And I think I went just over five hours. I was almost an hour faster than I expected, and that's when I went, man, that wasn't that wasn't too bad. I actually think I could go, you know fair bit quicker than that and then the second one which was i think six months later i went 450 that's when this idea of that you know let's start to look at maybe we try to do the four or five and that was again i had this idea in my head a long time before i told anybody it was it was a as, as you said it was quite while i knew i wanted to do it i thought man if i tell people i want to do this and i don't do it i'm gonna look like a dickhead or people are gonna say no there's no way you can do it and it, it took me a good couple of years before i sort of actually even told people i wanted to do it and and that's because, as you said, fear of people saying that was impossible. And, and, and look, I get it. I get a lot of people who say, you know, geez, Tim, four, if that's bloody pro time. Like you should, that's why I say it's okay if I don't make it. I think that's another aspect of that honesty is I have, I have completely accepted that there's a very real chance. I will never get there. But yeah. for me, the, the journey or trying to get there is what's important. Yes, it would be fantastic to put that, 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 have that time next to my name some point in the future. If I don't get there, it'll suck. But at the end of the day, I'm still skinnier. I'm healthier. I'm doing something I really enjoy. It won't like it. it it's not that bigger 
yes, it'll suck a little bit, but I've still achieved a lot. So I think it'll be okay. So there's some of the honest conversations that, you know, they happen every time you, you know, you race, you have those, those conversations with yourself. Yeah. When you train and you have those conversations with yourself and things go wrong, you have those conversations with yourself. Uh, I've been dealing with an injury now for the, nearly a year and I've had to have honest conversations with myself many times because of that injury. And it's, it's just, I think, while it started quite difficult for me to, to have those conversations, I'm quite used to it now. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very happy to be my own uh, biggest critic, but at the same time, my own biggest supporter. I think it's, you just sort of learn how to go with it. Yeah, I completely relate to that. So how, how, how do you feel like your uh, friends and family have taken this journey with you? Were there any that doubted or were they all very supportive? Or has it kind of been a mixed bag? I'd, I'd say it's a mis- mixed bag. I've definitely lost friends uh, as a result of it. So, like, you know, it's nothing like, you don't, you know, I, I understand people sort of, you know, you have friends for different reasons and things can change. But I, I know that a few of my friends were very, they didn't like the fact that, you know, I used to be big party Tim and then I, I suddenly was going to bed earlier and getting up early to go for bike rides and stuff. And Was it more like you left, like, was it more like after you started the triathlon, um, you left them or, or they left you? Or was was it uh, like a conscious decision that you wanted to stay away from them because you knew that they weren't helping you? No, I, I don't think I, I, I've, I've never made a conscious decision to really to, to, to go away from them. I think it, as a, it, it, your priorities change and your interests change. So I was like, yeah, I was very, I used to go to the pub every Friday night after work. And, and then it was sort of was like, I stopped doing that as often. And, uh, look, my my family was incredibly supportive. They they all obviously. I think they all thought I was a little bit crazy. They all thought, oh, you know, I don't know about this. You're, but I I still remember the, the the funniest moment I had with my family was so I I moved overseas with my wife uh, to Norway. My wife's Norwegian, and I lost the majority of my weight that first chunk of weight for the first six months we lived overseas. So I came home to visit, and uh, my dad and brother were picking me up from the airport, and. I'm standing there at Sydney airport with my, with my bike and my bag waiting for dad and my brother. And they, they come, they, I can see them walking towards me and they, they're walking and they're walking and I'm waving at them. And they're not acknowledging me. <laughs> and they walk straight past me like, ah, oh, guys, hello. And they just did not recognize me at all. And, and wow. so I, I got a lot of that at the start as well. Cause then I came home and I caught up with friends and yeah, I saw them, it's like, so they were like crazy. The differences. Yeah, and people are like, oh, man, what the hell is going on? And, and, and yeah, look, I definitely noticed that some people, again, my, my family make a joke now that whenever I'm around, like it's Christmas dinner or whatever, it's like we can't talk about triathlon. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's I'm sick of triathlon now anyway. Like, I'm sick of talking about it. It's, it's something I can talk with my other people about. But, uh, yeah, look, a lot of my friends used to, you know, if I was, if I, I get it sometimes as well, where it could be the night before a race and I'm going to bed at, you know, 7.30 at night because I'm racing it bloody mm-hmm. 6 a.m. the next morning. My friends are at the pub. They'd call me. Be like, oh, Tim, where are you? We're at the pub. You should be here. And I'd be like, <laughs> Not exactly the party like, animal anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. My, my brother does joke a bit, though, that uh, old Tim was fun, Tim. I think <laughs> he's just giving me a hard time, to be honest. So. But your brother's done a triathlon at least one, right, with you? He has. He, he, uh, he's done two of them. He uh, Three, actually. But, yeah, the first one he did, I, again, I think uh, most people will know it's it's – it's a sort of sport you always want to try to get. Like I'm a big believer in trying to, I try to bring as many people to the sport as I can because I think it's fantastic. And uh, so I asked my brother to do a race for years and he, and he never would. And then one day I was doing a race and I rocked up and my brother was there with a bike. I'm like, what the hell? Are, what, are you, what are you doing here? And he's like, ah, surprise. I'm, I'm doing the triathlon. And that oh, was, wow. that was, that was fantastic. <laughs> 
And then he did it the second year as well. And I, and I say this is actually probably the, one of the greater moments in the sport for me is we actually came out of transi- a T2 together and we ran for like the first, I don't know, 500 meters out of T2 together. And I'm sort of like, you okay? you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine, fine. Don't worry about me. I went, oh, I'm going now. And then I took off. And that was, that was a really... That was a really great moment. So, yeah, he's, he's done a few triathlons. He, he doesn't love it. Uh, he dabbles. But, like, Luke's always been – he's been incredibly active. He's a, he was a, a very fast sprinter when he was younger. Uh, he's, never, he's never had any issues with his weight. Or anything. He's always been in good shape. And, yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah, it was very good to do a triathlon. It was a, it was a highlight of my triathlon, my triathlon career. Amazing. What are you up to right now? Um, are you training for any races? Or you said you were injured, right? Yeah, I, I am training because the <laughs> – if I, if I stopped training for the duration of this injury, I'd probably be as big as I used to be because this injury has been going on for, <laughs> yeah, for I know. quite I mean, a while. I was reading a blog and like I was just able to relate so much because I've been dealing with the injury like for about a year now myself. And yeah. I, it was like very similar what you were saying. Like we're, we're putting all the work in, you know, we're just trying to get rid of the damn thing. But yeah. it doesn't want to go away. And, um, you know, I completely relate to the frustration of not being able to push yourself as hard as you like to. So what, what exactly is the injury? What, what's happened? Well, this is the problem. Nobody, nobody actually seems to know what, what yeah. is actually going on. It's, exactly my problem. So I was in Thailand in February last year. This is, again, this is me guessing where I think it started. But I was riding in Thailand last year. Uh, I used to train. I still do. I train in Thailand a fair bit. And I had, a, I had a bike crash. I had a pretty bad bike crash. I crashed in the middle of the highway. Um, a truck nearly hit me. It was terrifying. Wow. Uh, but I came down really hard on my hip. My, my hip swelled up. Huge. Like it look, I looked like a you know Nicki Minaj with the big booty. You know it, it was it was nuts. And again, the, the normal rational human being goes, I've, "I'm injured. I should stop training." The triathlete, however, goes, "Oh, it's just a it's, it's mud a mere flesh wound. I can keep going." So I kept training, and I didn't take any time off. I kept running. Running hurt, but. I figured I'd, I'd just strap the bandage as tight as I could and that, you know, sort of holding it in place didn't seem to hurt too much. And I thought, oh, it's not too bad. Like, yeah. if, if it was bad, I wouldn't be able to walk. I wouldn't be able to run. So I continued on my way. No problem. You know, the, the, the crash sort of healed itself. Nothing seemed to be too bad. The hip was sore for a while, but, and I think in hindsight, maybe I did crack it or, you know, any, anyway, about a few, three or four months later, actually it was, well, then I then raced to 70.3, like two months after the crash, ran my fastest ever run splits. I'm like, oh, I'm good, good oh. as gold. And, then I was, yeah. Then I did a few half marathons in the in the middle of uh, the Australian winter last year, and I was actually seeing I was actually seeing the physios because I, I normally get some shoulder problems at the start of the race season, and I'd noticed that after a few run races, my glute, my right glute had this sort of niggle, and it was getting worse. I'd sat, I'd, I'd flown, I'd flown back from Thailand again actually, and I'd noticed that yeah, sitting down the plane was quite uncomfortable. So I went to the physios and I said, "Look, this thing starting and." They said, "Oh, look, it's just a, you know, it's just a bit of a problem. We'll, we'll be able to fix it out." And it progressively got worse and worse and worse to the point that it actually. And then, uh, you know, the, I did the seventy point three Asia Pacific Championships in November, and it, the back half of the run, my stride length shortened. I could, I could almost it was it was painful to run. And again, same thing. As soon as the race is over, the pain goes away, so you sort of forget about it. And then in January this year, I did a race, and it was it was bad. Like, it started to hurt on the bike. Uh, and then on the run, it was it, I, I almost couldn't run. Like, it was horrible. And I, I took three weeks off, thought, okay, I've been doing the physio, we've been doing the rehabilitation work, everything. And I, I got in, 
And I said, listen, what's, what's actually the diagnosis? Nobody's ever told me what's going on. Some person's doing something on my back. The other physio's doing stuff on my hamstring. What's going on? One of the physiologists there, he goes, look, we think you've got a tendinopathy. He's like, okay, what's that? He goes, was, you know, it's this inflammation, minor tears of the insertion point of the tendon. Okay, cool. You've told me what it is. Go home, Google tendinopathy, sit on an ice pack. I start doing everything I can for that. Stop running, basically. You know, really bring everything back. Work with the exercise physiologist to change the way I run. You know, more calf, less hamstring, work on glute strength. Like, do everything they say. And then uh, there was the New South Wales Club Triathlon Championships about three or four weeks ago now. And again, I had I'd been super, I was running pain free, bike riding wasn't bothering me. I'm thinking, yeah, man, finally, I'm on, it's getting better. Do this race. I knew I shouldn't run hard because of, I still didn't think I was perfect. So I didn't. I, I rode at about, you know, I think I averaged 37 kilometers an hour where I normally average maybe 42, 43 for that distance. So I was, I pulled it right back, I got off the bike, and it was as bad, if not worse, than it's ever been. I, I limped through that. I limped through the run, and I, I was devastated. I thought, you know, this is it. I'm going to have to take six months off. There's probably going to be surgery. Like, I've obviously done something really bad here. I don't know. Uh, went into my physio the next day, and I sat down. I said, you need to tell me what's going on. I said, this is, this is not okay. I've done everything you guys have told me for six months, and it's not getting any better. I need to know what's going on. Uh, they they did a whole range of tests. Literally, I was there for over an hour, and they've said what we look. What we they asked to see photos of me on the bike. They asked to see run footage. They the whole works, and they said it looks like. Or what their opinion is is that that bike crash obviously did something to my hip, and because I continued to train, yeah. my body has adapted to running a different way to basically protect my hip. Mm-hmm. And then after the injuries repaired itself, that bad running style has remained. Oh, okay. And that because that running style is obviously bad it's become an over you know and i've done it so much i've therefore everything's gone out of alignment i think it might actually be a problem with my lower back now so that could be a problem with my lower back that's affecting the nerve that runs down my leg and i was like great you know this sounds again here we go this is something we can do to start fixing it and then i thought well if my body's out of alignment i should probably go see a chiropractor i've never seen i've never seen a chiropractor before i've always been quite skeptical of chiropractors but i thought you know if this is a a skeletal problem i should probably see one so i booked myself in to see a chiropractor and lo and behold he doesn't think it's my back he thinks it's a torn hamstring <laughs> I can't, I can't really like, it's what i've been going for like exactly the same well, I've, I've actually got an appointment after i'm going in this afternoon and, and i'm actually just going to say you guys need to send me for a scan i, I need I, i've not even had a scan done and it's been oh. nine months now so i'm going to say i want scans done i want to actually know you know, if it is a hamstring strip, a tear, fantastic. But I don't want to waste another three or four weeks, five weeks, assuming that it's a tear, doing the, the work that it's a tear, and then to find out it's not a tear. Like, I actually need to – I'm running out of time. I want this to be fixed. So I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go in today, guns blazing, tell them that I want this bloody, uh, bloody dealt with properly. So. Yeah. You, well, and you really you have said, to be an advocate for yourself there in your healthcare. So you said you were you're running out of time. Do you have a race coming up, or? Well, I was actually meant to be down in Melbourne uh, this weekend, racing the Challenge Melbourne. That was one of the races that I was meant to be doing. I pulled out of that earlier this year. Uh, then I have ha- I have also agreed to go and race in Denmark in June. So my wife's my wife's Norwegian. We're going over for a wedding. First okay. thing I did when I when I heard that we're going for a wedding is check check what check races are. Races. Yeah. <laughs> so I found that there's a the European 70.3 Championships running Denmark uh, June 17th. So I, I want to do that, and then I'm racing in 
Calgary in Canada in late July. So I've got some races coming up and I really, my, my plan this year was to do a whole heap of shorter distance races. I wanted to do you know, some sprints and Olympic distances basically half, first half of this year. And because of this injury, I've not done any of them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've, I've backed out of a whole heap of races uh, just to focus on, on, you know, getting better. So do you think that puts pressure on So you still have quite a lot of races lined up. Does that put pressure on you to recover? Or would you rather just make sure, like, keep your calendar clean and just focus on recovering without focusing on the races? I want to bloody do the races, to be honest. Like, as much as I know I should probably go, oh, it's important to be to smart. I, I think I'm, I am going to do those races even because I'm traveling over all that way. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I've not raced in months now. No, no, I race. I'm a, I race a lot, so I'm telling myself though that I'm going to be better for these races. Like that's the thing. Yeah. I'm an optimistic guy. So I, while it is, you know, there's a chance I, I might not be better. I'm constantly saying, Nah, Tim. You know, it's June. You've got months. You'll be fine by then. Like we're going to get to the bottom of this. You're doing all the right things. So uh, yeah, that's that's the sort of approach I have. Yeah, this is so relatable. So you, so how have you been dealing with this injury, like mindset wise? Because you know, like as I said, I've been dealing with a similar thing, and to me, like you, you, you talked about patience in one of your blog posts, and um, well, how do you practice patience? Because for me, when I say patience, I talk about, I, I think it's more on like faith, faith in myself, or in the process, or in the universe, or whatever it is. It's just that I, I know that I'm doing whatever I can to recover, and I just there, there are only so many things that you can control, right? So. I just focus on doing whatever I can and leave the rest up. Um, so what's your, what's your take on patients? I definitely, I, what you said sounds very, like it's, it rings true to me. I, yeah. I, I believe that all I can do is take control of the things I can control. Yeah. So that's why I do things like, you know, like I, I, I joke, but it's, it's actually true. Like, you know, the, the number of exercises I've been given now to do before and after a workout sometimes take me as long as the actual workout. I have to do... Yeah all these glute activation things, I've got to do these um, these motions to and, uh, to activate the stabilizer, the subset stabilization muscles around my hips. I've got to do eccentric hamstring loading before I run. I've got to do um, you know, glute activation through hip, you know, um, hip bridges and, and all the, it, all this stuff I have to do. So I, I, I do all that. I go through the process, all those steps. Um, then it's the other things, like I said, I, I, I'm trying to do all the additional things I can to recover well. So I'm getting massaged done regularly. I'm seeing these, you know, I'm spending a fortune that I don't really have on seeing the, the guys who are meant to fix it. And, and it, it is, it's that idea that, look, this is, a, you know, this, this injury has happened because of something I've done. It's not like it's the universe yeah. is against me. I've done the wrong thing. I, I got it. I did something stupid. I should have stopped. I didn't. I'm paying the price for that now. But I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, this is, this is, this is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm choosing to look at it as, as a bit of a blessing in disguise. So how I see it is I never, ever did any strength and conditioning work. I just swam, biked, ran. Now I'm, now I'm at the gym two or three times a week doing a lot of specific, uh, you know, load-bearing stuff for triathlon. And I think that's only going to make me better going forward. I've made massage a big part of my, my, my program now. Again, it's something that's going to benefit me going forward. And the other thing that I do a lot, and I use it for other things in life, but I've used it for this as well. I'm, I meditate. I meditate a lot now because I find that, when this stuff does become a bit overwhelming or I do start to get disheartened by I'm not making the progress I would have liked, that's yeah. when I, I, I use the mindfulness tools I, I have learned over years and, and things do like that. Do you do self-hypnosis at all? Because I've been getting into that to see if that helps me. I 
I haven't. No, I just no. do. I just guided meditations of what I, I, you know, 10, 15 minute ones, some are 30 minutes. Just depends yes. what I have time for. Uh, and that's, yeah, that, that's, that's how I'd sort of say I'm, I'm, I'm approaching this. And look, you're right. Things are going to, things are out of my control. I'm just going to keep doing what I can. But I, I, I am getting frustrated at the moment because some of the guys that I train with are very similar. I, you know, there's a couple of guys who are, I've always thought I was around the same level as we normally finish quite close together. And these guys are making leaps and bounds. They're going away, doing these incredible results, yeah. winning races. And I feel like I'm being left behind. I that for that. me is the most frustrating thing. Like uh, my main training partner is a guy called Charlie and he recently won the Ironman 70.3 in New Zealand the same day as the Ironman. So he, he won the race. And I was like, man, I should be over there bloody trying to give him a hard time for the, for the win or it, and it's, it's stuff like that, that I find really, that's the hardest for me is that I just, I feel like all my competitors are moving away from me and I'm being left behind. That's the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. Totally. Really. It's also an amazing thing that you can go and do these things. I, I'm sort of in the same boat battling an injury from a, an accident last summer. And sometimes I just have to stop myself and say, but most people would be like totally amazed if they could, swim a mile and then go out for a 40 mile bike ride and yeah. here I am being ungrateful because I can do that but I can't run three miles right now exactly yeah. I think it's I really like I like the idea of gratefulness because that's something that I've learned throughout this whole experience too yep exactly like I I, I just figure there's sometimes when I'm out racing or training or doing something like you know say I'm doing a 120k bike ride at you know threshold efforts and I'm absolutely dying I have these moments of clarity sometimes where I'm actually just like, man, you know, 10 years ago, there was no way I could have done this. Or 10 years ago, if I hadn't have started to do this, where would I be right now? And that makes me incredibly grateful. And I think that's something that I use a lot as well when we talk about motivation and, and, and dealing with the hard things is that what, like, where else would I, what, what would my alternative have been? And it, it, that's why I'm like, yeah, it sucks right now, but it's worth it. So, exactly. Yeah. Just putting Can you imagine what your, uh, what your past self would have said? If they could have just fast forwarded in time and looked at you now, I mean, it's it's imagine. so funny that we, we I have this conversation with my wife all the time. I'm like, what what would I have said to myself if I'd have said, listen, Tim, in 2018 you will have won your age group at at, at half Ironman races, you would have represented your country at the World Championships, you would have you know you would have been a, you would have been teaching other people how to do triathlon. You like, what would you? And I would have I would have said, yeah. yeah like you're having a laugh, mate. No way. Like, no way. That was that was not ever on my radar. It, it's it's very it's very designed. And like I, I find it very funny when I catch up with some of my my old friends because again, some people I saw a friend of mine. We lived together. He was my roommate at university, uh, and he moved back to Mauritius when he finished his degree. We kept in touch, but we didn't see each other. And we caught up last year, and he's just like, "What is going on? Like, who are you?" And he, and it was so it was so funny to see that. We'd both obviously gone in different directions a lot, but we still had those same things that you know brought us back together. And it was it was so funny to be able to I could appreciate all the things that he'd been doing. He could appreciate all the things that I've been doing, even though they weren't necessarily the same interests. We didn't have the same interests, and uh, it's it very very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that must have been fun. All right, how about we talk about your podcast for a little bit now? The uh, Think Fit Pod, right? What's yeah. that all about? Uh, so. I think me and my co-host Robbo, we both found that a lot of people, you know, we got a very similar story. I've lost over 50 kilos. He's lost about 45 kilos. And we're both, you know, we both have got some pretty good results. Uh, Robbo's best is 410. Uh, he's done a 946 Ironman. And we just found a lot of people were sort of um, asking us a lot of the same sort of questions a lot of the time. And we thought, 
a great thing to do and maybe try to create a resource where people could, we could sort of proactively try to answer these people's questions. And again, mm-hmm. it's not so much, I, I, I don't say we're a triathlon podcast, although Robbo likes to talk about triathlon a lot. I actually, on a recent episode, uh, I, I created a new rule that every time he refers to triathlon, he has to say synchronized swimming. So that's the, just to, <laughs> to, to, to soften the blow a little bit for some of our non-triathlon listeners. But so what we do is we just, yeah, we, you know, we both realize that, you know, weight loss is, and fitness as an industry is very complicated. You know, there's always, I mean, I, I was watching the, the news this morning. It's like new study reveals that breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. And then new study reveals that carbohydrates are the, are your friend. And new study reveals that eating three grams of this is the best way. To, it's always something new and it's always complicated. And, and, and yeah. I found when I was big and I, and I know a lot of other people find it, it can be really overwhelming. So we wanted to. Victory. Oh, so contradictory. So we just wanted to like say, listen, guys. Is great. This is terrible. You should skip exactly breakfast. Right. So we just wanted oh, to no. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly right. So we just wanted to say, listen, we both did it. We both lost a lot of weight. We've kept it off without gimmicks, without tricks, without any sort of razzle-dazzle. This is what we did. It, it doesn't have to be complicated because I know personally, I believe like I am the most ordinary guy in the world and I managed to do it. And that's why if I can do it, I really believe anybody can. So... Yeah, we started the podcast, I guess, to talk about that, and it, it's definitely evolved since then. Uh, we've had, you know, we 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 we've identified very quickly that we are not experts. Like we we barely pronounce some of the bloody medical stuff we read when we read articles and things. So we've uh, accessed as many people who have you know interesting stories or are experts in the field. We, we try to get them on as you know, maybe one every every third or fourth episode we have a, a guest on. Uh, we've had a, a few nutritionists on, and, and we don't just we don't just talk about the science of things. Like we've had a we had an interview with a nutritionist talking about binge eating and how to deal with emotional eating. We've had uh, nutritionists come on talking about why endurance athletes struggle with their weight loss. We've had mindset people, you know, we've had sports psychologists, we've had athletes, we've had all sorts of people, and it's always about the relationship people have with fitness in, in a in a very real way. Because yeah, if if people just sort of focus on on weight loss or things like that. It can become very overwhelming and complicated and boring, and 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 it's so we're just trying to yeah look we, we we take the piss a little bit we have fun we give each other a hard time we find ridiculous fitness articles like yeah six ways to lose weight without getting out of bed like we find those sort of articles and we rip through them and just have fun like it, it's just me and my friend having a chat you know we just did our we just did our one year episode last weekend which was crazy crazy yeah, to think that we're, we've been doing it for a year and we love it like and and we've both gotten so much out of it that I don't think we ever really expected when we started the show again. We were just like, oh, let's just see how this goes. And the fact that mm-hmm. we've get, you know, getting the downloads we're getting and people are getting in touch with us, it, it's blown us both away and it's become such a, a rewarding experience for us both because we both learn so much from the people that we get to. I, I joke now, so if you ever look up to somebody or respect somebody, start a podcast and invite them on, it's a great way to get to talk to them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so talk a yeah. little bit about uh, health outcomes. You, you know, you've, you've- spoken about your weight loss journey and and i know that's a big part of it but you had some really scary scary health stuff going on at a, a young age how does that look for you now when you go well, back and check in with your doctors yeah it, it it's not it's funny because i never really i guess being young and a, a man i sort of just avoided dealing with it i was like oh, i'm sure it'll be okay and so i didn't do anything like i didn't get any tests done for years and until about actually it was about this time last year or maybe even a bit later, I was getting really tired, really fatigued, like really fatigued. I, I could barely get out of bed. And I went, okay, something's wrong. And I went and got a whole heap. My, my nutritionist actually said, you got to go get some tests done. 
So I went and got them done and, yeah, got the, the very clean bill of health, which was really good. And they said, yeah, and I said, oh, look, this is my history, blah, blah, blah. They go, no, look, everything seems to be, your blood pressure is normal. Uh, in fact, maybe it's a little low sometimes. Uh, cholesterol's fine. Uh, heart size, I didn't, I didn't have a chest X-ray, but they said there was nothing abnormal in my heart rate, heartbeat or anything like that. So whatever the, the sort of damage that I was starting to do to myself seems to have repaired itself, although, you know, there are people who claim that this sort of sport can be bad for your heart. Uh, I'm, uh, everything seems to be clear, good. Like, my, you know, my resting heart rate's very low now and all that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, everything seems to be sh- ship shape. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Has to, had, to, had, had to happen. I, I, I say the sport of triathlon, it saved my life because, again, I was going down a very dangerous path. And to be 24 years old and already facing those sort of health risks or health problems, is not that's not it's not how it's meant to be like you know you're not meant to be like that and i um i definitely it scared me into to action so that's if that's what it took plus in disguise mm-hmm. yeah i think in some ways you know people who face weight loss issues early in their lives can have better health outcomes because it it is that warning call whereas people who are naturally thin they may not be spurred to do anything because there's nothing like outwardly kind of compelling them exactly right and i think as well as you get older the, the you know the, this, this maybe sounds shallow but there's less pressure on people as well as they get you know obviously you're either married or you you don't have that expectation or need or desire to look a certain way like you know i was i guess for me i, I was already in a relationship when i lost my weight but i know a lot of people out there when they're younger they, they, they want to look they want to try to you know attract the pretty girl on the dance floor or get that sexy triathlete in front of them to to come back and have a have a party at the after party, like there's there's different pressures I think on younger people as well that maybe make it more not necessarily for the same reasons, but make it more of a an issue. And it, that's not necessarily a good thing either. I, I need to say as well because I think being a young person, and again, doesn't have to be about being overweight but being underweight. There's so many pressures now uh, from things like social media to look a certain way that can make it actually quite bad, actually quite dangerous as well. And I think that's maybe also why there is more of a focus on, on the, the aesthetics of, of weight loss or weight gain or your weight, being a younger person than being an older person, I think, as well. Well, and somewhere in your 40s and 50s, those choices that you make early on really start to catch up with you. And, Absolutely. And where you might not notice a difference in your 20s, by the time that path is forked, you know, it, it's a bigger and bigger and bigger difference the older you get. So, yeah, exactly. young and it becomes, is a good thing. Uh, definitely. I definitely am very happy that I got on top of it when I did. Uh, I think, as I said, I, I hate to think where I'd be now if I hadn't of like what, what shape I would be in or how, how much worse my health would, would be. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I very much acknowledge the fact that I don't think I would have had a very long life if I had have kept going down that path. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Is Charles on? Because I haven't heard him speak. Charles, are you there? Yeah, yeah, sorry guys, I just, uh, I've had very bad connection and I've lost the connection like six or seven times already. So I've cool. lost the, also the pace of the conversation a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any questions for Tim? I've just never heard you this quiet, Charles. What's going on? I know, I know, I know, I know. Maybe it's not, it's, it's not my day, it's a sign from the, from the stars or something. But yeah, no, actually, I just had a question, well, many questions, but I think one of the things that uh, I sort of share with Tim is, uh, I think I also had a, a story of weight loss. 
from the moment that I was the heaviest to the moment I was the thinnest, maybe. There's a, there's a range of 25 kilos. It's not as big as 50, but still for me it was a, it's a huge number. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it took me a lot of time. No? So I think my, my sort of question was to understand, uh, so how long, for example, did it take you to drop those 50 kilos? Uh, that's number yeah. one. And the thing number two as well is, um, this is something that I've seen from the conversation is that you, you told me like, you told us like you started with this uh, Olympic sort of distance where you did uh, four hours and something. And then suddenly you started doing half Ironmans. And, and I think the, the longest time you did was five, it's barely over five hours, which is impressive. So it's, um, right. So my, my first half Ironman was 6.45 and I was jumping like, 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 a, like a girl with a new toy, you know, like and <laughs> pretty much. So I uh, so, want so to understand, like, did you do it by yourself? Did you get a coach? That's that sort of the sort of thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can talk about that. So the first question about the weight, I, I think I lost about 30 kilos quite quickly. I lost 30 kilos in about four months. Uh, I went from, yeah, being the wrong side of 120 kilos. And again, I don't I don't know my heaviest. I, I stopped weighing myself once that number on the scale was over 120. I think the heaviest I ever saw the number on the scale was 120, 124 kilos. And that was months before I ever started to make change uh, so I dropped down my I set the goal of trying to get under 90 kilos now I did that quite, yep. quite, quite quickly got down to that that number uh, yeah in about four months time and I was like man I'm, I'm, I'm done how good is this perfect boom I can go away do triathlons faster do you know just fit into medium-sized clothes and then I definitely kept that stayed that way I sat very comfortably in the mid 80s for the years two or three years and it wasn't until I really decided no I want to have a proper crack at that four or five time which is probably now two years ago 20, 2015 is when I really started to focus on on getting faster uh, that's when my weight shifted again because I decided okay I need to I need to it's, it's time to look at the whole thing and that's when I started to ma- ma- take much more uh, interest in what I ate and just by uh, the, the method that we adopted was me and my wife we started to do uh, pre-portioned uh, meal sizes yeah, in the sense that we would work out, had somebody work out how much, how much, how many calories I need to consume that day, and then we'd only make the amount of food that, that was there for for one serving. So that after I'd eaten my dinner, there was nothing left. That way I couldn't go. Oh, I'm still hungry. I'm going to eat seconds, thirds, whatever. And so I was eating less than I was used to because we were actually yeah. you know measure, measuring everything before we cooked it. Uh, and then from that point on, I dropped another yeah, 15 kilos or something like that, and or maybe 10 to 15 kilos, something like that, and. These days, I sit very comfortably in the mid-70s. I can get down. The lightest I've ever been was 69 kilos, uh, which was probably too thin for me. I was very I – felt, I felt quite weak. I didn't have a lot of power or energy at that, at that point. Yeah. Uh, so that, the whole process, the whole weight loss process is years. Like it, it was over three, three or four-year period, but big chunk in four months, the next chunk in another, yeah, so three or, three or four months uh, with, the, yeah. with that gap in the middle where I wasn't so focused on it. Um, the second part about, about the, the times, uh, so uh, yeah, I did that that first uh, Olympic distance by myself. I did my first few seventy point threes by myself. Actually, I think I did maybe five or six seventy point threes just by myself. Not really, again, not not really know what I was doing. Just oh, I figure I need to swim a bit, run a bit, bike a bit. Looking back, I probably should have swum a lot more than I did. But I remember it was in. I was actually I did challenge Melbourne in two thousand and. 14, I think, when I decided that 
I want to go under. So as much as I wanted to do the 405, I've, I've always had a sort of step-by-step process. And the first one for me was trying to go a sub four and a half hour half yeah, man. And, and that was the day that I, I did this race. I thought I was going to do it then. I think I swam like 42 minutes. I mean, that's not good enough. So I, and, uh, I thought, okay, it's time to get a coach. So I've had a coach now for three or four years, maybe. Uh, his name's Ben Hammond. He's a, he, he was a pro athlete. He's now a sports scientist. Uh, he works for a platform called Today's Plan. And we, we've been working together ever since. And it's definitely, like I, it, it, the, the 430 took, this, took us a long time. It was funny. I think I did like a 431, a 432, a 431, a 432, like four or five times before I finally cracked <laughs> up 430. And, and then it was, it was frustrating. Like it was just frustrating. And Benny actually said to me, he goes, Tim, you've just got to pick a race and do it, mate, because this is, we know you can do it now. It's just a, it's like a psychological barrier and you need to break through it because you'll be surprised once you break through that barrier, you're going to speed up so much more. And he was right. I think I went 429 to finally crack the 430, which was in 2016. And then 422, 422, or 425, or 417. And then I've done a 421, 421, 421. Uh, And again, those three were all injured. Um, I did those three races uh, without being able to run properly. Uh, I do want to say that my slowest time is not actually the 508. I did a, I think I did a six hour, uh, this time 12 months ago in Melbourne and that was because I had to I had a flat tire seven kilometers from T2 and I had to oh, run with my bike uh, had to run oh, with my bike yeah. for 7k barefoot to get I wanted to finish the race so uh, that was definitely my slowest but I did my fastest run split so I don't know how a, apparently a seven kilometer warm-up running barefoot with your bike is a, apparently a good way to, to run a fast half marathon <laughs> that's one strategy Very. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I, I also believe maybe it was because I was, I was in the back end of the field, so I was getting a lot of motivation from the other runners as I was coming, flying through, and, and uh, that was, yeah, it was funny, funny day. But, yeah, that's, that's the approach, I think. I, and I, I, look, yeah, I, as you said at the start, I am, I am coaching now. I coach with uh, Team Maca X is, is the company that I coach with, and it's not something that I ever thought oh, I'd get it? into. Chris thing? Yeah, so I, I'm, uh, I'm with with the Mac X Chris McCormack's triathlon team. Uh, I do actually, I do the podcast with Chris actually. So the Mac X podcast, I, I, I do that oh. podcast with Chris as well. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's funny that I was uh, as, mu- as much as I'm like, yes, coaches are really important. I also think that a lot of athletes probably should try going themselves first because I think it's really important as an athlete that you actually understand how your body works mm-hmm. as an athlete. Whereas if you get a coach from day one and look, you know what, as a coach, I'm like, yes, yes, you should do that because it's good for business. But I also think it's, it's not important because you need to understand this is where my limits are. These are the things I've sort of fumbled my way to because then when you get a coach, you've got comparison. You've also got a lot of self-knowledge and data. And I think that's a really important thing for athletes. I think it's, it's important that you spend some time sort of just seeing what works and what doesn't work for you as well before you do decide to get more specific and, and go with a coach. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. what I did as well. Like I just trained by myself for a few months and then decided to get the coach. Absolutely. And I think this is a question I'm sure that many uh, listeners will have. So it's now that you're a coach, Tim, so, so how do you be, actually become a coach? Do you like go to Hogwarts, the school of uh, triathlon or something? <laughs> yes, I got a letter. I got a letter delivered uh, by now and it said, you're a, you're a coach, Tim. Uh, no, it, it, it actually, again, it, was never, it was never on my radar. I'd never thought about being a coach. I'd never, like I said, I was doing my law degree it was not something that I was really thought about. And it was, I was actually doing a race. And while I was racing, another athlete uh, who followed me on Instagram 
goes, oh, are you Tim? I'm like, yeah, mate. He goes, oh, I've read your blog. I like, thank you so much. I said, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going now. So I'll talk to the finish. <laughs> and he approached me at the finish after the race and he goes, would you, would you coach me? And I said, look, mate, I'm not a coach. I go, but here's the details for my coach. He goes, no, no, no. I want, I want you to coach me. I said, well, look, oh, wow. we, can, we, can, we can try. I said, I, I, I've obviously done it for a while now and I'm a personal trainer and stuff. So I know, I know bits and pieces. Like, I, I think I know enough to at least. I said, why don't we give it a few months? I said, we'll see how you go. Uh, if it's no good, we'll stop. Uh, and then I coached, I coached John for about two years. Coached him to, he did like a 30 minute 70.3 PB, I think. It was it 30 minute Ironman PB? He did a 70.3 PB. That was really good. And then, because again, I didn't think, oh man, I'm the best coach in the world now. I've, I've had one athlete. I actually took on another athlete uh, for free. I said, I, I approached her and I said, look, you're sort of starting out to do 70.3 distances. I said, would you be interested in me and working with me? Uh, because I need to learn what I'm doing. So she was like, I guess my guinea pig, and yeah, she yeah. was yeah absolutely agreed to it. And, and I coached, I coached uh, Momo, for yeah for two years, and we you know we we worked towards her first and second and third seventy point threes together. And from that, you know, I think just sort of it, you know, once you have one athlete that starts to get results, then more people get in touch. And I've gone and done the Ironman U coaching certification now because again, I think that piece of paper is important. I'm trying to do the triathlon Australia ones, but they. They're always scheduled so poorly. But again, I, I, I think from the courses I've done, it's all pretty much you, the sort of things you learn that you learn as an athlete yourself anyway. I think a lot of people out there who, who are coaches, um, they, they, they have a very, this is my approach. And this is, if you don't, if it doesn't fit, then you need to find a different coach where my approach is, I really think you need to make what you do fit the athlete. So I have, it's so funny that I don't know how it's happened, but a lot of the athletes I coach now are shift workers. So I've got some police officers. I've got some nurses. I've got, I used to have a, a minor who worked, you know, days in, days off. And if I was just to give them the program, go, this is what I want you to do, do it. It wouldn't have worked. They, they would have, you know, they would have failed. They wouldn't have got the sessions done. They would have gone slower. They would have become disheartened. They would have felt like they were failing. And I think it's, it's so important that the guys I work with now, I'm like, no, you need to, you need to let me know when you have availability. I'll write the program based around when you can train. If it's too much, if it's not enough, let me know. I'm happy to make changes. And that's definitely the approach I take now is, is trying to make sure that, you know, I could give them what I, yes, you know what, if you want to, if you want to go four hours, you're going to have to train 20 odd hours a week, but you only have five hours a week. Okay. Then let's, let's work out how to make you the best athlete you can be with the time you have available. I think is, is definitely the approach that I take now. And it's just because again, that's been my experience as an athlete. And as funny as it sounds, I think everything I've learned, is is through the mistakes that I've made, all the things that I've done wrong. Definitely. I'm able to I'm able to prevent people from doing like are you doing your first yeah. triathlon? Here's a tip. Don't eat pasta every day uh, as as a way of convincing yourself you need to carb load because you're gonna put ten kilos on. Like they're things that I've done wrong. I'm able to, <laughs> to to help. And again, I think for me, like I've been the slowest athlete on the course. I've been one of the fastest athletes on the course. Like I have gone through every step of that journey, whereas a lot of people probably haven't a lot of people who are coaches and look this is not a bad thing this is i completely understand what they've only ever been the fast guys they've never had to go through they've never had the issues of feeling self-conscious about putting on swimmers to jump in the pool because they're worried about their body they've never had the fear of wearing lycra so they wear big thick clothing because they've worried that people like, i've dealt with all those issues that i think a lot of triathletes deal with and, and i think that's something that i hope helps me to empathize with the athletes that i coach of course yeah, yeah absolutely Touch, touch on that a little bit of what can the average ordinary triathlete, you know, because we do get kind of heads down in the aero wheels and the wetsuit and the gear and, and 
looking fit, but what can we do for those newcomers who are struggling or self-conscious or, you know, what would have helped you be more enthusiastic, feel better about those first experiences? I think I really remember that first race. I remember I had some $100 bike I bought on eBay. It was a size too small for me. I, I bought a, a pair of Lycra shorts the morning of the race because I was like, oh, you know, I probably need to wear the right gear. I had, a, I had a compression shirt on when I did racing. I remember walking, and I was bloody intimidated. I remember those time trial bikes with discs and things thinking, Christ almighty, they look like time machines. Like, what is this? This is, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> and it, it's funny, though, that the thing that I like about the sport of triathlon so much, and I think it's, it's a real strength, is that it is very inclusive. And even that day when I was dead last, there were still people out there cheering for me. And I think as hard as it is to say, a lot of those, those newbie triathletes, we put the pressure on ourselves a lot of the time. And I, I look, I find I do it even now. I go to a race now. And I'm like, oh, my God, that guy looks skinny. Oh, he must be fast. Oh, is he my age? Oh, no. Like, it's so easy to, to, to see those people and and put doubt on your on yourself. And I think for a beginner, and this is what I say to all the guys that I start with, it doesn't matter if they've done 10 triathlons and they're doing a 70.3 for the first time or they're doing their first Ironman. Is, I think that first race is not about a result. It's not about a time. It's about the experience. So what I say to the guys is enjoy it. Don't go in there worrying about what other people are doing. Don't go in there worrying about if your gear is as good as theirs. Focus on the, the experience. Make sure you have fun. If your family's on course, smile for them. If you see somebody, clap them. Like Just enjoy that experience because I, I, I don't think there are a lot of people out there who are lucky enough to go out there and smash their first race. I just don't think it's it's not the sport for it because it's a sport you need to learn your, your art. So I think as much as it's about what the other people can do, I think for the beginners, it's about making sure that they don't take it too serious and enjoy it And, and, and because those first races are fun and you know you are, if you keep doing the sport, you're going to start putting pressure on yourself. You're going to start looking for PBs. You're going to start looking for podiums or qualifying for Konas or world championships, whatever it is. So when there's, when it's very early days and there's not a lot of pressure, just relax and enjoy it. That's, that's the, the, the main advice I give to everybody I start with. Yeah, that's great awesome. advice. A lot of people just kind of wind themselves up to the point where they, they finish something like a half Ironman, which could be an incredible personal triumph and they're disappointed in themselves, which is just kind of sad. Oh, I get it all the time. Like I've had, I've had athletes, I've had athletes who, in the lead up to an event, have nearly given themselves a nervous breakdown. And I'm like, mate, like, don't worry about what the bloke next to you in transitions doing. Don't worry about the other. Like, you can't control that. You have control over yourself. That's all you can control. And you know what? If your best isn't isn't better than theirs, that's fine. Like it's you can't do anything about that now, sort of thing. And there's no point in panicking and putting extra pressure on yourself because that's not going to help. Like that's actually going to make things harder. Uh, so that's yeah, definitely, and and and, and you're exactly right. And and a good a good thing you can do as well. What I try to do is yeah, I I try to give people both objective and subjective goals when they race. So maybe maybe their goal is let's say it's a half marathon and they want to do a one and a half hour half marathon. That's their objective goal. They either they either succeed or they fail. But then what I can do is I give them subjective goals too. So it's like I want you to feel like you're fresh for the, the second half, or I want you to feel like you increase your pace or your heart like things that they can then go okay so i didn't hit the objective goal but i still tick to these subjective goals and i find that's a really good way of sort of uh, hedging your bets and making sure that even if they have a bad race they're still able to get some positivity out of the experience yeah I love that. all right then i think we've pretty much covered everything um before we wrap things up are there any people you like to give a shout out to tim uh shout outs i think i mean there's so many people that i've met through this sport that have inspired me and they look they're not yes some of them are pro athletes like i said I'm, i work closely with chris mccormack now he's, he's a huge 
inspiration of mine. Uh, you know, definitely reading his book inspired me to get into into triathlon. But it, I think the people that I relate to a lot more are the people that I've met through the sport. Like I've got some of my best friends. The guy I do my podcast with, Mike Robinson, uh, you know, is one of the most positive, encouraging. Like he, I always joke with Robert that I said spending time with him is good for my soul. Like he's just such a positive ball of energy that it, it, it's like no matter how down or pressured I'm, like how, how much pressure I feel, he, he's fantastic. Um, you know, people like, like what you guys are doing with the Humans of Triathlon Instagram page, I think is absolutely fantastic because that's the sort of thing that, that's the thing I love about this sport is I love that everybody has a story and it's why on my show, the first question we always ask our guests is what's your relationship with fitness? Because mm-hmm. it's not always about the results. It's not always about the, it's, it's why you want to do the thing you do because that's the thing I'm starting to realize is we all do this for different reasons. We all have a reason why we want to get in shape. We all have a reason why we want to get fit. We all have a reason why we didn't lose weight. We all have a reason why we want to do triathlon. And they're the interesting stories I think are so fascinating. So, um, yeah, look, that's, that's yes. about it really. Well, I think it's, obviously I have to thank my wife. She's very, very uh, supportive of when I do all this crazy stuff. And Very important. Uh, yeah, definitely. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> all right, so where can everyone find you online? Uh, yeah, so I've, as you said, I've got my, my podcast called Think Fit. Uh, yeah. I think we're, we're basically everywhere, I hope. If, if not, I've done something wrong. Uh, I'm uh, on Instagram, although it's just mostly pictures of me and my bike doing stupid things, but it's uh, at tford14 on Instagram. Uh, and, yeah, I think I've got a website, which is oztriathlete.com, but I don't update it at the moment as much as I should because bloody podcasting takes up so much of my time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's 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 probably the, the easiest places to find me. And again, look, if people ever have any questions or anything, like I, I'm, I really make an an effort to try to reply to people. If people send me private messages, I try to reply. People comment on my posts, I really try to reply to people. Uh, if anybody has questions or things they're not sure about, I'm always happy to 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 give them. A, and again, even if you're not after a coach or whatever, but you just have general training questions, I'm always super happy to try to help people. So yeah, great. So our last question: Why do you try? I try because I don't want to think what my life would be like if I didn't. I think is probably the the, the, the main reason. It it's it saved my life. It definitely definitely saved my life. Plus, I look badass in lycra now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great reason. <laughs> All right, everyone, make sure to Tim Ford out and follow him, his blog, his podcast. Um, if you don't already, what I absolutely love about him is how he doesn't overcomplicate things. He keeps things simple. And well, the results are there for everyone to see. So Tim, thanks a ton. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on here. And thank you for taking the time to do it. Can I just say, I'd like to, I'm incredibly grateful as well to you guys for for bringing me on. I really appreciate you bringing me on to a show to have a chat. I I really am grateful for it. So thank you so much. Um, Yeah, thank you, Robin and Charles. Um, And finally, a big thank you to all our listeners. It means a lot of us that you're here listening. And feel free to shoot any of us a message to let us know how you're liking the episodes and what we could do to improve and such. Or if you want any particular guests on the show. Um, and yeah, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Strava. Um, you can find us at Humans of Triathlon to stay tuned for future guests and episodes. And if you already follow us there, make sure to drop by the post and let us know how you liked the episode. Till next time, stay awesome and keep trying, everyone.